a wide-ranging conversation with Bob Dr. MacLevitis. This is Mac Voices. This edition of Mac Voices is supported by the Mac Voices Dispatch, our weekly newsletter to keep you up on all the latest from Mac Voices. Watch or listen to Mac Voices straight from your email client. Sign up at macvoices.com slash newsletter and stay up to date. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, it's been a way too long since we uh, talked to our guest this time around. You know him, you love him, the next governor of Texas, Dr. Bob Levitis. <laughs> uh, if the Democrats don't find a good candidate soon, I might just have to do that. There you um, go. Although I don't think I'll be eligible because you have to live in Texas to be the governor and I'm moving. Uh, I don't, Bob. I was hoping for like a Mac in every pot or I'm moving something. To Mo- I'm moving well, to Montana soon. Yeah, what what was that old campaign? A chicken in every pot? How about uh, a Mac on every desk? There we a go. Mac that's on bad. every desk? Not in Dell country, I don't think. Yeah, that, that's a problem. That's a problem. How you been? It's been uh, entirely have, too long. I have been awesome. I feel like I'm in Groundhog Day, kind of. It's like the past couple of years, all I've done is rewrite books that I rewrote last year and the year before and the year before and not much else. And I did three books this year, and they were all remakes of books I updated, well, most of them I, that I updated last year and the year before and the year before. And then there was GarageBand for Dummies, which hadn't been updated in 15 years, uh, so it required a little bit of work. <laughs> but, you know, other than that, and writing a column every week, which, although each column is different, It's still kind of Groundhog Day. You know, it's Wednesday. You've got a column due at noon. Have you even considered a topic? You know, stuff like that. Um, And, you know, being um, of the older persuasion, it's been in my best interest not to go out all that much, not to go that many places. Certainly, I haven't been to like a live music show or a movie theater or anything like that in a long time. But I've, I've been good. I mean, I, I'm, I'm healthy. I'm happy. We're going on a road trip in a couple of weeks to the okay. Cadillac Ranch. Yeah. Good. That's cool. I want to see all the stuff in Texas that I've never seen before I leave. So we're, we're doing a road trip to all the – we're going to go to the place where uh, if you eat the 72 ounces of steak in an hour, you get it free. We're not going to do that. We just want to go there and have dinner and, with any luck at all, watch some other idiot try to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah let, them, let them suffer through and get... Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, when I was like 18, I probably would have taken them up on that. Six pounds of meat in one sitting in an hour. I might have been able to do that, but not today, you know. You have to be in training for that. For months. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not quite sure what kind of training you do that doesn't put massive amounts of weights on you, but, you know. Uh, yeah, probably. I don't know. How does that hot dog guy do it? I, I have no the idea. The guy that eats all those hot dogs, he's not big, but he trains and he, I don't know. I don't want to know. Yeah. I have no interest in competitive eating. Thank you. <laughs> well, you've been doing... Um, a few more articles, a pretty regular series set of articles on the Mac Observer, and you've been um, showing. Well, I've been a um, columnist. 
I've yeah, been a and- columnist for the Mac Observer and still am for 20 years, 21 years. I don't know, a long time. Uh, so it's it, we're at episode 450-something, so divide that by 52 weeks. And then before that, I, I wrote uh, sporadically, you know. <laughs> and I still write for the Houston Chronicle. And, uh, you know, I'm getting ready to retire from book writing. I, I think next year I'm going to... Um, not update the books again and and uh just you know I, I don't know it's so hard when you've got a book that's a franchise and they ask you to to update it for next year because it's your baby and you know it's like you you've cared for it its whole life already and you don't really want to see it fall into the hands of a stranger and i don't know on the other hand i don't want to work next summer i want to like travel and not worry about it and not spend my whole summer rewriting iPhone for dummies and iPad for dummies and Mac OS. What do you think the next one will be called? They've used up all the cities in California now and all the jungle cats. What do you think the next one's going to be? Dog breeds. It's going to be Mac OS St. Bernard. (laughs) Mac OS Great Dane. Or my favorite, Mac OS Vishla. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of anxious to hear what your thoughts are about just Apple in general, the way they've come through the, the last couple of years that have been so challenging. Um, they've released the M1 Mac. Um, they We have new iPads out there that are, are very, yeah. very nice. You know, they're, right. they're fantastic. Um, as we record this, we are looking down the barrel of another Apple event in a couple of days that we all expect will be macbook pros but we're not sure um it 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 seems like in spite of all the challenges that apple really has continued to keep up the pace and i i I think so i think they've done great i mean for them to uh do the transition from intel uh or at least the first part of it um and do it as well as they've done it with as few hiccups as there were uh, along with you know maintaining and improving all the other product lines, and you know I hear there's a wearable like eyeglass kind of augmented reality thing in the pipeline, so I'm sure that they're working on more interesting stuff for the future. But I think they've done really well uh, through the past couple of years of pandemic. Um, Acting like nothing was wrong. I mean, uh, they act—they're acting like Apple now. They have, I think, been fortunate or maybe just well managed, but they have avoided a lot of the uh, problems that have plagued other sectors, like shortages of raw material. You know, mostly Apple has had things in stock this whole time. Um. You know, you get the usual fluctuations when something first comes out there in short supply, but there hasn't been, you know, like a, a big slowdown or anything. And they really have proceeded pretty much at their normal pace of revving their products. So, yeah, I think Apple, you know, faced with massive challenges from COVID and market conditions and everything else. Um, I think they've really 
held up well. I mean, there's other businesses that haven't. Uh, I think the hotel business, maybe the airline business, although it seems to be making a comeback. But you know, there, there's there's been other sectors where people, the, the the zombie flu, you know, really affected their business negatively. And I, I don't know. I don't really pay attention to Apple's financials and I don't follow the stock very closely. So I don't know, you know, how the market thinks they're doing, but I suspect they're holding up. Okay. Um, I have high hopes, you know, I think Apple's going to be around for uh, as long as I'm going to be alive and with any luck at all, as long as my kids will be alive and they'll keep, keep surprising us with, you know, cool new things. I'd love a visual, I'd love a headset that I could wear instead of that so that I could have the computer in my pocket and just kind of look at it out of one eye. That'd be awesome. Movies that look like they're 20 feet high in front of you. And I'm some okay of that, with that. Yeah, that'll, I mean, I think, well, I mean, it's hard to say specifically, but I think a lot of those things have the potential to come. Um, it's It's going to be figuring out how to make them I guess useful maybe is is the best way to say it, you know, because we 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 now live in a world of collaboration that is and that that's the buzzword that everybody pays attention to. And I I sometimes wonder about sealing myself in behind a set of AR glasses. Yeah, I don't think it's something you do for all the time like it might be okay though for if you've got a camera somewhere else might be fine for doing video chatting. You know, as long as the camera is somewhere out in the room, keep it tracking you. You know, it's got a, a gimbal and a, a, you wear a little pendant so it knows where you are. And it just, you know, auto tracks you wherever you go. You could wear your glasses, which means you could have all of the data that's on your screen, but you wouldn't have to look over here while you're on the podcast over here. Right. I don't know. Well, I, 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 I think it's more of a thing where... Uh, most of the time, it would be something you used when you were alone in a room like this. Although video, video, video collaboration doesn't seem far-fetched. It would seem pretty natural to not have to like look into something. Well, but you bring up and a really be cognizant of where where the you know, where the thing is. Yeah, I keep forgetting, bring- and I look. You know, I forgot. I've got two screens. Hold on. I'm moving you on the screen where the camera is because I keep looking over here where you are now, which isn't where I'm supposed to look. I'm supposed to look in here, right? So now I put you over here, but that's, you know. (laughs) But you you bring up a really interesting point that I hadn't exactly thought about is that, you know, it's, it's one thing for me to be in a room with people. And, you know, that's great. I'm seeing them. They're seeing me like on a Zoom call, but maybe just, you know, up close. But there's got to be a camera feed showing those people. And if they're wearing their AR glasses, then all I'm going to see is somebody looking like they have a big heavy pair of shades on or goggles. And so that kind of changes that experience. Unless we start moving into the unless the right. goggle, unless the goggle has a gooseneck, like endoscopic uh, uh, lens that goes out about four feet in front of you and just points back, then your yeah, well, camera would, follow you around even when you were wearing your glasses well it, it feels more like we might be heading into the area of avatars you know at that point that you know <laughs> which that opens up a whole different set of discussions 
I don't know. That seems like a stretch for like, you know, bankers, banking businesses and, and doctors and stuff. Oh, look at the avatar. Look, I'm going to dress my avatar in leather. <laughs> so no, it re I, reflects my personality. This edition of Mac Voices is sponsored by Upstart. Fair and fast personal loans. Visit upstart.com slash macvoices and find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments. Just like so many things at the moment, your finances may be changing. The last thing you need is to be burdened by high credit card interest rates or other debt that may be hindering you getting back to normal. Upstart can help. Upstart is fair and fast personal loans, all done online. Those credit cards I mentioned, funding personal expenses, whatever has you paying high interest rates can be helped by Upstart's simple five-minute check to see what your online rate is. And it's bound to be better than other options out there because Upstart looks at more than just your credit score. They consider your income and current employment to find you a smarter rate on loans from $1,000 to $50,000. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash macvoices. That's upstart, U-P-S-T-A-R-T dot com slash macvoices. Don't forget to use my URL to let them know I sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash macvoices right now. Thanks to Upstart for their support of Mac Voices. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And and you know, every time I've encountered avatars, it, it, well, I've done just a little bit of VR playing around. And it is interesting because it changes the dynamics of the interaction, but you're still using an avatar. And, you know, no matter how good it is, it's still jerky and the frame rate is low. and it's clear that you're in a, a poorly made cartoon, if you will, but it still is. It still is interaction, and it still is different, and and in some cases better than just a flat out Zoom meeting or what we're doing here. Well, I agree, and I uh, actually communicate with people I like using an emojis a lot because I like my little avatar, and sometimes I like to be a talking poop, so. You know, I, I believe there's a place for that. I don't know if it'll ever like be in mainstream like business. If if that'll ever be acceptable that you're going to go to a meeting and your avatar is going to stand in for you, I, I I would believe before that that you would somewhat somehow get a module that's got a lens and a little camera and and maybe Bluetooth that you can place somewhere in your office and it'll just do the video part from a distance from you know an appropriate distance so you don't have to be a slave to the box on the desk right. we'll see I, that's what's so great about the future is like you can make up anything you want and guess that that's what's going to happen but the only way to find out is to wait <laughs> so we'll see but i i think we'll see sooner rather than later i think you're going to start to see these um augmented reality eyewear uh in the next couple of years and you know i think in five or ten years there could be a lot of places where it, it's it's in use uh commercially you know i can see stores using that so that you can virtually try things on in the store just by looking at the tag 
because, you know, it knows what you look like and it knows what that outfit looks like and it can put two and two together and give you a lot faster than going to the changing room. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. Well, but those are the things that I think are going to drive this is we, there have to be applications. I mean, look, I, I know gaming is huge and, you know, I'm not a gamer. So that sort of takes that, that whole thing out. So I'm looking for the more practical applications to some of this tech. And, you know, that, I mean, there's no question closed, closed trying on closed buying is one, um, home decorating, <clears throat> engineering, home design, you know, all those things have a lot of potential in AR. Well, excuse me, AR and VR. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. It'll, it's, it's, it's interesting, but you said, you know, about the predicting the future and it feels like over the past couple of years, because of the pandemic and all the changes, that we have moved into the future a little bit. You know, sometimes it's in fits and starts, and it may be a little painful in places, but it feels like we've had to try things out of necessity that probably wouldn't have gotten tried for years, if ever, and we were forced into it. Well, one thing's for sure, and that's that virtual meetings became a real thing. You know, it's like for you or for me, they were already a thing because I was doing like user group presentations virtually years before pandemic time. Um, and so, you know, I was accustomed to d talking to more than one person through my computer with a microphone and a camera. Um, so it didn't didn't strike me as that new or unusual, but a lot of people had never done it before. And all of a sudden, it's the only way they're having meetings, the only way that they're uh, able to confer with a couple of people um, in real time. And, you know, and see the expressions on their faces, which matters when you're trying to accomplish stuff together, when you're a team. So I think uh, a lot of teams moved into uh, remote working and video uh, collaborating a lot sooner than they would have without the the zombie virus. Yeah, I, I I mean I agree. And now I just was reading earlier today. You know, another X number of million people resigned from their jobs in August, and that's on top of another X number of million on in July. And can't blame them. Well, everything's <laughs> shifting around, and you know I think they're. They're reevaluating. Everybody's reevaluating just about everything in their lives. I think the whole, uh, you know, work till you're 65 and then retire paradigm is is being uh, left behind. I think a lot of uh, younger people are looking at what they can do to take control of their life now, and work when they want to, and not work when they don't want to, and not try to. Uh, do something they don't like just to amass wealth. It, it seems a lot of kids that, you know, used to go to work for big companies and used to go to work in food service and used to do lots of stuff are instead becoming entrepreneurs. They're either working, you know, a, a, a gig economy job like Favor or, or Uber or Lyft or whatever. They're doing stuff like that when they need to. Um, but they're not taking nine to five jobs they hate and they're not, uh, taking underpaying jobs just to pay the rent. 
if they can do something else and they're all looking for that something else. And, you know, the gig economy really, I think, accelerates that because it gives you a lot of options. No, you aren't going to get rich that way. But if you're trying to do something else and you don't want to spend a third of your day or a third of your hours slaving for someone else just to pay the rent, they're a great alternative. And, and I see a lot of young people uh, starting businesses or going to work for startups and, you know, uh, offering them sweat equity because they can afford to. They can be very frugal to get where they want to be. And I think a lot of people are looking at what can I do so that I don't have to just keep working at a job I hate uh, till I'm old. Now, I did that a long time ago. I really did. I, I, I used to work for big companies and stuff like that. And I realized I don't like having bosses. I don't like meetings. I don't like people mostly. Um, and I certainly don't like when people that aren't as smart as me make stupid decisions and I have to live with the consequences. So, so it wasn't long after, you know, most, most of the jobs I've ever had that I had a disagreement with my boss and left. And I realized I'm just not cut out for that kind of work. You know, it's like, I'm not, I'm not a, you know, it's not that I'm not a team player because writing a book is a team effort. And I love my team that I work with when I write books and I love the editors I work with uh, on columns and things like that. But, but that's a whole different thing. They're not like lording over me 40 hours a week. They're like, you know, uh, if I do my job right, I hardly ever hear from them. And that's fine too. But, you know, I'm free to work the hours I want. and um, you know, do things on my schedule rather than be somewhere 40 hours at a time or, or account for that many hours. It's like being a writer, you don't really have to account for your hours if you make your deadlines. You know, as long as your stuff is done on time and it's good, you don't have to say it only took me two hours to write that. Nobody knows, nobody cares as long as you do it. And that's what, you know, I think a lot of kids these days are saying, you know, I'd rather make less money and not have to like wake up every morning and go somewhere and do something all day. I'd rather live more frugally and try to find my, you know, my muse, find what I love and, and make a living doing that. I just think a lot of people aren't looking at, you know, long-term service to uh, the same employer as, as an option for their life. So where does where do you see tech playing into this? Do you see it facilitating that, or is it is it one of the well, things that's making we, this possible? I think. Well, I think tech has has adopted this remote. Well, I think we had always um, had some sense that we were a global business and a global industry, and that the appeal of things is global, and uh, a lot of. Uh, American, a lot of tech we use and see in America is based on stuff that comes from elsewhere. Um, I think, I think going forward, the fact that we are okay with our compatriots being in other time zones and countries and have kind of 
grown up in that world, whereas most other industries haven't, I think that puts us ahead. I think that makes it easier for us to find collaborators maybe that aren't in our same country or even in our same hemisphere and be able to work with them and be able to, you know, come up with things without having to bring everybody to a city and, you know, force them to buy unaffordable housing in that city, if that's the case. And in Silicon Valley, it is. So I think the fact that they're doing so much remote working and they're, uh, they're encouraging it and always kind of have, um, I think will continue to drive innovation and make that a desirable industry to work in. You know, it's like if you're an engineer, you can program at home or you can program in a, in a cubicle farm, but you're, you're still going to, you know, be responsible for turning out the same amount of good code every day. And you're still going to have to meet with the same people either virtually or in person. And so I think a lot of people wouldn't choose to go spend 60 hours a week at the Apple campus, but would choose to work 70 hours a week if it's on their own terms. So yeah, I think a lot of people are going to go into these businesses based on whether they can work remotely and not uh, not have to be so like tied to a clock. And I think that the tech business will adapt to that the most quickly or uh, will be among those industries that like that becomes the norm more quickly. Because I think we've seen, or at least I've seen, that you can today do business with people anywhere. Uh, you can even do business with people that you don't speak the same, that don't speak the same language. It's a little more difficult, but it's doable. And without the expense of flying a team to Switzerland or, you know, whatever it is, um, we've become a much more global industry and world. And, and the fact that you can have, uh, team members or collaborators anywhere on earth uh, and, and have the same level of communication with them. Uh, there's no telling what'll, what'll come next, but I, I think the tech industry will remain a popular place for people to work. I mean, there's something, there's something fun about being in on the next big thing. You know, I never worked at Apple, but I always thought, Probably a lot of the people that work there just love the the fact that they're part of. You know, I was part of the iPhone team. I was part of the Mac team in 1984. That was that's something. You know, it's like you're part of uh, part of a piece of our culture. Some more than others. Bob, Doctor Maclevitis will be back in the next edition of Mac Voices to continue our conversation and also share a little bit of life advice. That's next time on Mac Voices, and I hope you will join us. Until then, and as always, thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page, and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, Consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. 
you will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.